Happy birthday to you. Who? Happy what? birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear no, Greg. Else. Happy <laughs> birthday to you. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> it's Greg's, Greg's birthday tomorrow. Oh. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, I don't know what you're singing to. I join in. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Hi, the following podcast is brought to you by Radical Road Brewery, the best craft beer in the heart of Leslieville. Find them at 1177 Queen Street East. That's Radical Road Brewery. My name is Alex Krotz, and I am a uh, freelance audio engineer, producer, and mixer uh, based out of Toronto and Vancouver, uh, but kind of between the both of them. And welcome to the music. Thanks for coming in. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All, all the way from Vancouver. Yes. Via yep. Strat- or, yeah, Stratford, Stratford as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. we are recording the day before Greg's birthday, so happy birthday, Greg. Happy birthday, Greg. Yes. Thank you. This, Thank weather, you is, you. this weather is for you. Thanks. Yep. Present you brought from it from Vancouver? Yeah, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, buddy. Just, just for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so my brother messages me like months ago, and he goes, oh, I got it. I know somebody who knows somebody who worked on the last Tragically Hip album. Uh huh. Do you wanna do you wanna interview him? I go, yeah, I need like anybody. Yeah. (laughs) We're an independent, music-focused podcast. We'll talk to like the cool people that are doing music. So, I don't know. Is it your uncle that introduced or your friend? Yeah, my uncle was the one who reached out to me and was like, "Hey, I know these guys that are doing a podcast about music." music." I'm like, "Yeah, sure." That sounds great. Awesome. Cool. Well, I'm appreciate, in. Appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to join us. Yeah, it's great. I, I'm yeah. happy it worked out. Cool. Yeah. Was, Thank you good. so much. So you you started in music at a very young age. I think I read that. Was it age 14 where you made your first album? Yeah, age 14, I made my first record. I've been making it for for a couple of years before that, but yeah. I've been making music since I was four, four, five. Like I've always been in music. Since before birth, basically. Your parents were your parents musicians. Like, how did my, you get started? My dad is not. Um, my my parents have a really cool dynamic because mm-hmm. my mom, my my mother is the uh, is my mother's the one who's the musician. So she's a piano teacher. Okay. She taught. She teaches music. She has for years. It's long time. Yeah. And so she got me into it. And then when I got in more into actually trying to record myself yeah. with whatever I had around. My dad is more techie. So he was like, Oh, maybe we should get him some recording software and like actually like do that. And ah, so they, they so got both yeah, sides there. Yeah. So, but my mom is the one who uh, got me into music early on and I tried piano lessons, which failed miserably Yeah, because you know, having your teacher in the same house as you, Oh. Really makes practicing difficult. Mm-hmm. Well, it's so a- <laughs> I was like, "No, I'm not. I can't. I'm, I'm going to switch to an instrument you don't know very well." So I went to guitar. You I'm went like, to guitar. Yeah. yeah. That so, makes sense. I mean, Does- I wish I did more piano now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I wish I knew more of that. But you know, 
it is what it is. So, so you're a musician. You're recording your music. Mm-hmm. You get engineering software. Yeah. Or some music software. Yeah. Like, did your were you more interested at that point in the the writing and recording than the engineering, or like it's interesting to see where you are today? So. Yeah, yeah. I I when I started, like when I got the, the software to yeah. s- first record, it was like kind of. I was in a couple bands, like, with friends, and we were recording with, like, little tape machines or little, like, voice memo recorders at the time. Like, there was no phones with with yeah. voice notes yet. Like, not that. Like, it was, like, little tape recorders and stuff. And we would, like, hmm. try and figure out how to, like, record it and put it upstairs on the vent because it was then quiet enough that it wouldn't distort, like, stuff like that. Right. And so we were doing that kind of stuff. And as soon as I got recording software... I started recording at home to try and figure out how this worked and I was hooked. Inst- I was like, mm-hmm. I can record a guitar and play it back and record another one and like layer stuff. I was, Blown I don't away. think I was in a band for much longer hmm. and the band kind of dissipated and whatever, but I was very into songwriting and playing still, but I was like, I want to be like a studio person. Like I just want to record oh. my own stuff yeah. at the time. Uh, but I love that act of recording and like trying to put stuff on and being able to listen to it and think about it and like put something else on top. I had no interest in playing live after that. Like I didn't really. I've That's never. Interesting. Yeah, I've, I made my record and had like I had no intent of actually playing it. I after I finished recording it, I didn't know how to play any of the songs <laughs> because I'm the kind of guy that I write it and I love writing. Yeah, but yeah. I write it, record it, and then I kind of okay, what's what goes on top or like what else can I do and then. Mm. By the time the song's done, I don't know what I actually played anymore. Wow. You know? what, what kind of music was it? Like, what were you doing at the time? It was like rock stuff yeah. at the time. I still do a lot of like rock, like Billy Talent and Three Days Grace inspired rock. Yeah. When I first, my first record is acoustic though, with drums and bass and everything, but it was an acoustic guitar because that was the easiest thing I could record because I hadn't quite figured out how to do like electric guitar tones yeah. yet <laughs> very well. So I'm like, I'm just going to do a cool like acoustic thing. That was simple enough for you. It was simple, yeah. and and I loved like pop punk stuff that was done in acoustic fashion. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I want to do like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, it was it was fun. But that's, that's how I, I got into that. Yeah, I got to be honest. I kind of geeked out when I saw that you worked with BT with Billy Talent. Yeah, I was kind of like, okay. Yeah, I gonna like this guy. We can we can talk. Uh, yeah. I gonna like this guy. Yeah, Billy yeah. Talent was one of my first big sessions when I started working at the studio, and it was like. Just the cool. I still remember when they came in the first time to see the studio. I was like on the live floor, like sitting and setting up a mic or something. And I turn around, and the studio manager is showing the the guys around. And I'm, I turn around and I kind of look and I, I see that you know it's Ian and and Ben standing there and like you know looking at at the room. And I kind of go, "Hi guys, how's it going?" <laughs> and I I walk by and I go back into the back room in the tech shop and I just like, "Oh my god!" Oh, and I'm like freaking out. And then I like calm down for a second and Gain I go back composer. out and continue yeah. doing my work and, yeah. and the tech looks at, at one of the other people there's like does he really like Billy Talent and they're like yeah like oh okay that explains what that was <laughs> but is, listen we're recording here in the east end of Toronto at the uh, Radical Road Brewing Company and uh, every Tuesday we record here and sometimes there's a band that place so if it sounds loud if you hear drums if you hear people going test test that's just the band literally right behind me if, yep. if i spun around i could like back fist the drummer you might get a drumstick in the back of the I, head. M- I might get a drumstick <laughs> in the in, in the back of the head 
Um, yeah, Alex, you've worked with so many different types of bands, so yeah. many different sounds um, as well. Is there a favorite that you enjoy working with more than others? I I really like... I, I love working with different kinds of artists because and different kinds of genres and stuff because they all, to me, influence the next project that I do. And mm-hmm. so it's really fun to take something that you learn from making a hip-hop record or something and put it towards a rock record like i love the the way that i get to work with all these different artists yeah if i had to pick my favorite i love rock bands like distorted guitars walls of guitars big drums that kind of stuff is it's the music i listen to and it's like that kind of stuff and the more almost like perfected and edited this stuff is the more i love it because it's so perfect and i'm a big I like I like rock to metal like that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I love working on that kind nice. of. Nice. It's of funny music. when you ask about kind of music because one of the bands that I want to talk about that you worked with. Mm-hmm. I remember I always liked their music, but I always thought this band is way over not way overproduced, but so produced there's no way they can pull it off live. And then I saw them at the Casbys. It was like I don't know ten years ago or something like that. It's Mother Mother. Yep. Right. And I'm like, holy shit. This band can actually, like, this band is pulling off the sound that I'm hearing. I got goosebumps right now because I'm thinking, I remember thinking, like, I didn't expect that. Totally. And then talking to Steve, who owns Radical, one of the owners here at Radical Road, you know, he said he saw them a few times at Hillside, and I thought, well, you've got to really, like, like, it's a very folky festival. you got to, like, you got to have your chops together, and you've got to do a... a um, not a softer sound, but, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you got to pull off the hillside. Yeah. Then I hear the album that sounds perfect, and then to hear them live, it's like, wow, what a wall of sound. Yeah. They, the thing with the... I loved working with them, and they're the nicest human beings. It was so much fun. I think I was in the studio with them for a month or so. Like, it was a big record. Yeah. Super fun. And the thing is, is when you listen to the record, it it is very produced in that sense like they don't just sit down and play it and that's it because they're very creative and like ryan the 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 lead singer he is just his brain is a million miles a minute he's got so many random ideas then like he wants to try a million different things so we're always it was always like well how can we do something like the next level it's like no you can't just plug in a keyboard and play the keyboard part it's like what guitar pedals can we do this with and how can we make so like the stuff that they would come up with, it sound, it's very like pieced together when we're recording it. Yeah. It's a lot of like throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks. But they can actually play very well and pull it off in the yeah. end because they, they figure out how to pare it down. So, yeah, yeah, super cool. So, so as a fan, I'm really curious about this. So you'll hear. So, so for example, I, I know you haven't worked with them yet. Uh, Goodbye, Honolulu. Mm. Um saw them live first time I've ever heard them and I was blown away I said damn these guys make good music and you just hear it live and again Greg you talk about this wall of sound right and then you go you know so you search on YouTube and you know for the music and you press play and it's like you know you're hearing the album version and it sounds so different and it sounds too clean Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying yeah like it sounds okay this is made for radio um Give me your thoughts on, on why uh, bands and producers and mixers like yourself, why why does that sound come off of a record, but the sound we hear at a concert, it's like, wow, this is 
this is amazing. Mm. It, I think it's, it's a few different things or possibilities of, okay. of different things. And the, the main one is the fact that when you're seeing it live, you're in the experience. Mm. So even if they don't play it very well, yeah. <laughs> you don't notice it. <laughs> it's like when you go back and watch your Instagram post the yeah. next morning and go, wow, that was good, but that was really yeah, out of tune yeah. and didn't play <laughs> half the notes. Like, totally, yeah, it's... I think that's part of it is you're you're there and yeah. it's so loud that you just get hit over the head with it and it's sound, you humans we we just like loud things like mm. in a mix even when mixing and stuff you turn something up you're like that sounds better well no it's just louder than everything else now but you know initially that's what we think yeah yeah so part of it's that um, and then part of it is just their energy when they're playing it live versus trying to do it in a studio can sometimes be a bit different and the way that they're feeling when they set up for the gig and just like mm. or when they're playing or if they've played those songs for two years since they recorded it they've changed they have new things whatever it is as well and then on the recording side you need it to be a bit cleaner because if it's distorted and just kind of crappy sounding in a way mm -hmm. it might have more of that vibe but yeah if you hear that on the radio you're gonna be like oh geez that's not very that kind of sounds like crap hmm. you know so it doesn't Comes translate nearly as well into a lot of things and most people hear the records first and then yeah. go want to go see it live so that it's almost ups the energy yeah. in some of those cases um not the other way around you're like oh i really wish it was live but yeah. Even if you recorded a live performance and played it back, it'd yeah. still be kind of like, oh, well, that's not nearly as good as <laughs> when I'm getting, you know, bashed in the head with the sound. With the sound, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I hear, I but it's hear. funny because the band that headline that you saw on Saturday, yeah. right? I saw on Friday. Yeah, The Beaches. The Beaches. Like, I find they kill it on both. Mm -hmm. Like, they've got that raw, when even the, the recorded, it's raw. Totally. It sounds like it's off the floor. It's like yeah. that energy. And then they pull it off on stage. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I just I, and I think there are fan. some bands that do that really, really well. And there's some bands that don't. And yeah. some of them are, they will play it live in the studio and kind of build off of that. Other bands don't at all and mm. like have it so pieced together, which for some sounds that works really well. For sure. other sounds, like it's so yeah. relative to what's their sound, what's their end goal. Like if they want, like you said, it sounds radio. Yeah. Some bands, that's what they want. It's like we want radio singles, so we're gonna do that, and then we're just gonna have fun live yeah. and do whatever whatever we want. But we need radio sounding singles. And when yeah, you have like Colorado was the same, mm. right? Like live, they sounded different than what I remember hearing on, yeah, like CFNY or mm -hmm. the, you know. Um, okay, so yeah. here's here the edge, the edge, the edge. Oh, it's not CFNY. Whatever. <laughs> Um, okay, so here's here's what I need to understand, and maybe some of our listeners know or they don't know, but producer, engineer, mixer, what else is there? Sound design? Yep. Tell me, like, what do all of these things mean to a layperson? So, in the traditional sense, yeah. let's go with, like, a rock band. Okay. Yeah, okay, because... Yeah. Nowadays, with technology and Everyone's different genres, everybody can be a producer, and yeah. it's a different thing. Yeah. But we'll go with like a traditional rock band in a studio. Cool. In that context, a producer is kind of the person that that oversees the whole thing. Ah. Is kind of an executive decision maker, people wrangler, 
people manager and like they're the guy that calls the studio and goes, hey, we need studio time for a month and goes to the you know record label and goes, this is the budget and hires the engineer and hires the editors and hires the people like makes those connections and has those people that they know like that kind of stuff. So that's the producer. And then they're also the like, let's try this and let's like move the session forward because artists can, you know, sing something and then keep singing the same thing for an hour and it's the same line and it sounds the same, but they think it sounds different. So they'll keep going and a producer will be like, no, it sounds great. Let's move on. So like, that's what a producer is kind of has control over. Hmm. The engineer is the guy who sits there and basically turns the buttons, turn put turns the button, turns the knobs and pushes <laughs> the buttons, yeah. um, and makes it sound good. So they're the ones that facilitates the actual sound of the recording and what the musicians are hearing and the technical side of things. To you know, where's the guitar amp set up and how can they see the other guys playing if it's a live thing or how does it sound. Uh, a mixer then gets all the tracks in the end when they have all the drums recorded and guitars. Uh, and, okay. You know, when it's recorded, you don't have like just drums. That's it. It's like kick drum, snare drum, overhead left, overhead right. Like there's a bunch of Jeez. technical like tracks and like a guitar. You don't. It's not one guitar. It's like a whole whack of guitars and harmonies and all the pieces. The mixer then takes that and mixes it together and takes. It's kind of like baking a cake. The the producer and the engineer give you all the ingredients so they find you know the best chocolate chips and the best flour the mixer then goes okay i'm going to make this into the the cookie that i want you to see or the Mm. cake that i want you to look at and hear and see so they're the ones that actually make it so if as a listener then in the end if if they want you to hear the guitar solo in this section they'll make that so that you hear it subconsciously it just kind of becomes louder and replaces the vocal because the vocal was before that and like stuff like that. So the mixer balances it all out and mixes it into the final product. Okay, so, so, so a couple of things. Number one, can you imagine the mixer for Rush? For which? Rush? Yeah. Like, like that like guy's, that. like there was probably just a mixer just for the drums. There was. My buddy did really? part of it. <laughs> a buddy of mine worked on one of the Rush records, a live Rush record so it was even pared down wow and he had to literally go and deal with the toms on the drums like that was his job for like a week <laughs> that would be insane <laughs> yeah so so you, you've just described all those different rules what i'm interested to hear yeah we talked about this after and it probably gives away where we're going the grammys yeah okay? and i saw mike turner formerly our lady peace and yep. recording like mark knopfler stuff and that the live stuff um i saw mike post about the work that Billy Eilis and Phineas did together. Yeah. And and it was uh oh I'm gonna I can name engineer um who basically said the question was like, well they just did it in their basement. Yep. And he's like he's like, screw it. He said, like what those kids accomplished it was in their basement. It doesn't matter whether it's in the studio that I have here or the bit there. I interested to know your view on sort of that production of that album. I I think it's fantastic that they got, they are getting, I should say, the recognition that they're getting for it. Um, and the fact that technology is to a point now where you can record basically anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the thing that, that you have to remember is that record isn't a live off the floor band. 
Yeah. It's all programmed, or a lot of it, I yeah, should yeah, say, for sure. is programmed. But what they do is they take samples of stuff and chop it up and put it in and make it sound cool. And that's, it's almost the fact that they didn't have a big studio made them create different things because they weren't about the perfection of certain sounds. They were like, well, what inspired us? What's yeah. inspiring us? One of the, I saw a thing, for instance, on Billie Eilish was talking about the one the one song and they took a, she was in Australia. Yeah, this, and, this, the, yeah, yeah, and they, yeah. And she hits the button to like the, the crosswalk button yeah. and it, you know how it beeps. Yeah. Well, in Australia, it's a different sound. And she thought this was the weirdest sound. It's like this weird chirpy sound. So she took her phone in a voice memo, recorded it, and then they took it into the computer and he chopped it up and made it the beat of the song. That's so it's hilarious. This, yeah, I, and I was it's funny you were going there because I was going to I was going yeah. to with this music in the background. It's hard for me to think of the song that it is, yeah. but it's like one of the big hits. It's like bad a, guy or something I oh, think. Bad guy? Yeah. And they and they made it the beat. And yeah. the, but it's those kind of things that and that's a very extreme example because yeah. it's literally on the street, but yeah, the, yeah. the point is is that they didn't it doesn't matter about background noise. They're not as concerned about that as somebody in, you know, a studio that they're paying $2,000 a day with like the world's best microphones and like, un- that's great. But then you hear the slightest buzz on something and you'll chase <laughs> it down for an hour, even though it's like, well, did the guitar player going to play the part really well? Then fine. Like it doesn't matter as much. So it's the, the fact that they had those real limitations made them try different things like that or mm. like sample the piano that's out of tune in their living room because why not? Yeah. And then that sure. became something very cool and, and escalated into the song and the way she sang it. And like, you know, people have a joke. I don't know if this is true. I'm, I'm going to say it's not, but there's a joke going around that the reason she sings so quiet is to not, you know, bug the neighbors or because <laughs> they couldn't, you know, be too loud when people were sleeping. So she developed the sound of her being that quiet singer. That's not the case, yeah. but it's those kind of, it, it you know, shows you that, those limitations of maybe we shouldn't bug the neighbors makes you try other things try or do something things. else. So yeah. I think that's a really neat thing yeah. that has come out of that record and shows people you can do that and it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just as an aside, Canada's Jesse Reyes is touring with uh, Billie Eilish on Billie hmm. Eilish's tour. So yeah, that's exciting. That's a voice I love. Yeah. Yeah, she is. She, Jesse is just awesome. Totally. Um, I want to ask you about working with the Arkells. Yep. So, um, I, where was so I went a couple of summers ago, went to see July Talk yep. at the Budweiser stage. Um, I just loved their sound, and they were on the same bill as the Arkells. Arkells were, 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 um, were the headline. But I said, okay, yeah. yeah, I've heard the Arkells, yeah, yeah. But I went to see July Talk, and they yep. just blow me away every time they do a live set. Just yep. amazing. But I was blown away by the Arkells. Just yeah. the, the sound. They were loud. Um, just so much energy. Yeah. Um, and they were just having a lot of fun. So I'd, I'd never purchased a record before. But then Rally Cry comes out. Yep. I said, okay, i, I got to buy this album. And so I buy the album. And I'm listening to it, and it sounds very different. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know what I mean. But it sounds like the mixer. Yep. Like put the vocals up to 10 and everything else brought down very quiet right it's a very musically to me it sounds like a it sounds like a quiet album even though you know there's highly energetic songs yeah um 
you know, I don't want you to throw anyone under the bus, but talk to me about that. Like, why is that sound like that, do you think? What are your thoughts on that album, maybe? That, I mean, it's it's hard to say, but why exactly? And it yeah. could have been for a number of reasons. Yeah. Even the mixer just kind of, that's what he thought it sounded good, like, yeah. and didn't notice that it was too loud mm-hmm. for him. It wasn't. But um, something that, uh, that comes to mind when you say that is is something that definitely does happen is mixers have to mix for the ended intent mm. of the song. So, for instance, when they were making... There's certain songs that they've made, um, and I, I don't know if Rally Cry was one of them, but I think it might have been. Anyway, uh, they make it for a purpose. Like, it's supposed to be an anthemic song for a commercial. They want to hear the lyrics and the vocals. That's the point. Okay. The, so there's that happens all the time with tons of different people. It's they you need to have it for a specific reason, whether that be a commercial or a hockey night in Canada or interesting whatever the point is. Yeah. And maybe it's more about the music and people are supposed to sing along with the music. Or maybe it's more about we need these words to be heard because that's the point of the song. We wrote the words for this yeah. purpose. So in that case, the mixer might bump that up a bit. Yeah. Versus maybe they wouldn't if it wasn't for that intent. And it was supposed to match the whole record or whatever. If it's a single, that could be the reason. Or, you know, if it's if it's something that's over a whole record, then it's probably a creative decision. Yeah more so for the whole record but one-offs that definitely happens how, how much of that often. can happen during mastering and the reason I asked that is Mark Howard when he was talking about I mm-hmm. think it was Dylan's album yeah it kept going back to Dylan Dylan's like well that's not what we heard and he's like well first of all what are you listening to it on I think if I'm not mistaken oh yeah yeah that's right that's and right. he's like and then it finally came down to it was a if I'm if I'm I hope I'm not mixing up two stories but yeah. this was basically about a mastering issue right and that they keep bringing it down and he'd like no I want all that not distortion but I totally. wanted peaking out. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. want it as hot as it's supposed to be. I'm, I, I did it that way. Don't master that down. So totally. Interesting to know what you feel about. Yeah, that's. I mean, mastering's a funny game uh, because there's different types of mastering engineers, mm. and some of them do a bit more. Um, so they'll go more into the track than others who will. It's very subtle, and mm. I mean, I personally work with a lot of mastering engineers who are more on the subtle side because I'm like this is my mix and this is what I want I just need it to match everything I don't yeah. but I don't want the whole thing to change uh, but other mastering engineers that's not the case um, but one of the things as a mixer that we do is sometimes we send the mix and we send what are called vocal ups so we actually turn the vocal up because a technical thing that happens is the vocal can get shoved down based on what they're doing mm. so sometimes that could be a, a you know a problem that just kind of happens based on what sounds best for the rest of the track and the mastering engineer might not notice it as much as the artist who's listening to adjust their vocal and that's a lot of artists do that <laughs> and they'll listen for like their thing because guitar players the same way I can't hear that riff and it's like it's yeah, blaringly yeah. loud <laughs> but that's all they're li- they don't care they don't unless, listen it's, anything else. unless it's soloed they wouldn't be happy you yeah, know what I mean yeah, yeah, so I hear you. It's it's tough to say, but that can things like that can definitely happen in mastering. It yeah. can whether that's creative or not. I don't your, know. Yeah. your your discography like is like three or four pages mm-hmm. long, um, and I'm sure like the first album you worked on, you were very proud of. But is there 
is there, is there a, a project that you worked on where you were able to say to people, hey, that's me there? Um, that's interesting. I would say like a project that I'm really proud of and yeah. that in my head was kind of a, sh a turning point, I would say, okay. in for me mm -hmm. or a momentous occasion, I guess, would be uh, the Three Days Grace record that I worked on. Uh, human mm -hmm. I just it it holds a certain place in my heart because I didn't engineer the whole thing but I engineered a lot on yeah, it yeah and it was I mean the record took like 15 months to make jeez and on and off through touring and tons of like tons of work and I learned so much while making it uh, both technical and just in every other aspect of <laughs> making yeah. records and so it was very neat for me in that way of how how records were made. And also it was one of my favorite bands at the time and like how they made records like that. And it was also one of a, a big record that I got to engineer more and more and more as the as it went on. Uh, and after that record, like I engineered a song for them after the record where they were like, yeah, yeah, we want Alex to do it because I had done a really good job on the, full, on the record, the parts that I had done. And it was, so it was a big kind of uh, stepping a ladder growing moment for my engineering in my career nice. to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know if it, you know, if you look at everything outside of it, if it would be or not, but to me in my head, that's a record that I'm like, I really happy with that that's record cool. as something that I did. Yeah. There's so, a bunch of bands that you've worked with multiple times. Bare Naked mm -hmm. Ladies. Yep. Um, Arkells. We've talked about them recently. Trues. Yeah, Trues. Yep. Nikki's Wives. Yep. Um, tell me about working with these bands. Why do they? Why do you enjoy working with them so often? Um, well, for for somebody like Nikki's Wives, who yeah. I've worked with a bunch, and I'm also, you know, as the last question, uh, the, a lot of their stuff is I'm very proud of yeah. as well, and that's something that I share with a lot of people because they're also a smaller band. Yeah. Um, that, that are growing really really well and they're doing very well but when i started working with them they were like first recordings <laughs> like nobody knew who they were and i've been their engineer since then um which is has been super fun but i like working with like them for instance because it's we've grown to know each other so my suggestions they actually take more than some people do who don't care about it's like you're the engineer just do your job whereas they're like they I have a really good rapport with their producer as well. So we actually like do stuff together and like try things, even when the band's not there, like stuff like that. So it's super, it's just really fun and a really good work uh, momentum and, and workflow that we have. And that kind of friendship, I guess that we've developed over the years of working together. And like we're friends outside of that now too, for we've done tons of projects together with that. So that, that's just a lot of fun to work with somebody like that, especially as they're growing. And then somebody like Bare Naked Ladies, it's just so, they're just the nicest people and they mm. just, it's fun every day to go into work and make their records. It's just such a, a fun time. So I like working with bands over and over. One, when they keep hiring me and they yeah. like working with me, then it's like, okay, I, this is, that's good. <laughs> but it's also, do I enjoy going to work every day and, and is it is it fun like yeah and it, it's almost in my head i'm like 
would I be doing this for free? Yeah, I probably would be. So uh, of course this is fun. <laughs> like you know what I edit mean? Edit this out. Yeah, yeah. Edit this out. We don't yeah, want no, no, no. <laughs> people to know you work no, for free. Alex is no. for hire for free. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like it's it's very I enjoy it so much to just be around them that mm-hmm. you also do go over and above when they're going over and above for you and just treating you really well and you're always laughing. Like it is just a com- it's a comedy show working with bare naked ladies. Yeah, they're just so funny. Says you know, never a dull moment, which makes everything else so much more fun. So, is there an Alex crotch sound? Uh, like, do you have a sound like Daniel Land? No, I'm not. Yeah, maybe you're Daniel Lanois. <laughs> who knows? But you know, Daniel Lanois has a sound. You know, you know, they have sounds. He's got you know some mm. of these. Like, do you have a sound yourself, or have you developed that yet? I mean, I don't know if I would say I have consciously developed something. Yeah, I get told a lot that I like things that are very bright. Okay, I like very bright sounding things. I like very uh, more perfect sounding things. Like I love very. Uh, as I said, very edited and stuff. Like I, I'm drawn towards that. So the more I can do that in my records is that's what I like. And layers, and like harmonies and stuff like that. Like I like more produced stuff almost. Um, so I've been told that that's the thing. I don't really think about it as like that's the sound I've developed. But yeah. it's definitely something that people have told me. And like bigger drums, like stuff like that, is something that I do naturally when I can. That being said, if I'm working on a jazz record, I don't do that. Sure. But I'm definitely, people are always laughing. A buddy of mine, actually, we go back and forth with mix notes that for either of us. And every time he's like, I know exactly what you're going to say. Turn up the turn up the top end because that's every time that's what I want to hear. I just want it brighter and, you know, that. I, so apparently that's my sound. <laughs> that's your <I> guess. sound. <laughs> is, is there music or bands that types of bands that you you're not really interested in maybe they've contacted you or see i'm not really interested in making that type of music not really yeah um i've worked with tons of tons of different things and i would i wouldn't say that there's any artist that i've worked with that i'm like ah, i don't want to work with them again um because the, i always i'm a very <laughs> optimistic person so yeah. i look at the the best parts out of every project Mm -hmm. so even like a week after the project even if i didn't like something in it i almost forget about it yeah Yeah. so um but i'm not as much uh trying to do rap and like uh super like r&b or hip-hop like the songs that are just like a loop for a whole song and like not Mm -hmm. musically changing yeah those generally aren't things that i do and I don't get a lot of calls for them because there's not a lot of that on my, you know, discography. Yeah. Um, because it's something not something that I seek out to do sure. because I just there's certain things like that that musically because I'm a musical person I'm not just a technical engineer. Yeah, yeah. That I just don't quite understand certain parts of that. I'm like, this is boring, a boring song. I want to mm. like let's change the chorus. You or something. Do and they're like, what do you mean? This is the chorus. <laughs> this is perfect. And I'm yeah. like, okay, that's. Okay, I mean it sounds good, but like you could do more. Yeah. But so uh, you know, I, I that would probably be the extent of it. But so to that, how are you when you listen to the music you've produced or engineered? Like I know as a musician, you can go, 
you listen to it and you're like, oh, it's one thing. Like you always say, you never listen to the podcast. Yeah, I can't. Which I love. I can't hear my voice. Supportive over here. Yeah, but yeah. No. First five, ten minutes I listen to. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, so how are you like when you're listening to the music that you've produced and engineered? It's, um, it depends on the project. And it's funny that you asked that because I get a lot of friends asking me the same thing. Like, yeah. oh, well, don't you love that record? And I'm like, well, I loved making it. And then I couldn't listen to it for a year because I realized what you they something? took out or oh. they whatever. Like Three Days Grace, that's a really good example. I could not. They're one of my favorite bands. Yeah. But I couldn't listen to that record for about a year. Interesting. After I made it because I know the things that were either taken down in the mix or just cut out or how they changed the songs for like pieces that were in there that I really so liked. Like who, who would do that? Like where, where would that happen? Them or the producer. Like I was only engineering for that. So I had okay. no real creative control. Ah. Uh, so the producer and them and for various reasons and just like. It went. The songs went through so many ver- versions okay. that that's bound to happen. Yeah. But it's funny because there's like little bits that, even if it wasn't special in the whole song, to me it was like, oh, that's really cool. I for some reason yeah, vibed with touch. it. And then they took it out, and I'm like, oh. So it's like I listen to the songs, and I can just hear what could have been there, you know. Yeah. So things like that, and and other mixes, like when I mix something, I have to I have to step away for a few months. After I after I finish it, hmm. because all I hear is what I could have changed or what could be a little different. But as with any creative thing, it's it's hard to kind of put a stop on it. On it, you have to. Deadlines are your best friend because they make you actually stop. You got to finish. <laughs> yeah. No so, more changes. No more changes. Yeah. How do you go from working like with big sound, like Billy Talent, to like Priyanka Chopra? Like I had to do. I did a double take on like a, wait, <laughs> what song like. Hold on a second. Yeah. Like, how does that happen? How does it happen technically? or How, how does it happen for you that you get called for both of these projects? Um, that one, that's... I was at the studio, and, and it just ha- you it were, so happened you that I there. could be, be there to work <laughs> on it. You know? There, right. There's some really cool... And that's one of the things I love about the opportunity that I've had working at Noble Street, where I, where I worked, Yeah, is... Um, is the fact that I did get different calls for different projects that just kind of came in and yeah. it wasn't necessarily because of me. I mean, I had proved myself and they were like, yeah, great. He, he looks like he knows what he's doing. But it was, I got opportunities to do more things, which then led to other opportunities where they're like, yeah, no, I like what you did on this. Mm. So certain projects were just kind of there. And then other projects almost added on your resume. Yeah, and got I got the opportunity to work on certain things just because of the fact that I was the engineer there. Yeah, and which led to different things. So it was very cool because, of course, why why uh, certain projects? Why else would I have worked on it? Yeah, but now that I worked on it, I one learned a lot and also made a ton of connections because of that that randomly happened. So it's very cool, interesting to be able to do that. So going independent, how has that changed? what you work on and how you work um going independent it's definitely different uh and it's hustling more there's more hustling for sure because you have to i mean there's there's none of those things that just kind of fall into your lap as much um you know i have gotten called by the studio to do sessions that they're like we need an engineer come back priyanka chopper's calling you back yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) uh but you know so there's certain things that that do still happen like that where they just need an engineer and based on my connections that happens Um, but then 
there's the nice thing that I get to kind of find bands that I want to work with or artists I want to work with and work with them or I get to pick and choose so if I don't want to work with a certain artist or something then I can also turn that down Mm -hmm. and it actually really hasn't happened because I generally the I like who comes to me and I'm like oh yeah great like based on the the certain discographies that I have promoted more, I guess you could say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, those kind of artists come in, but it's always a nice safety. It's always a nice thing in the back of your head. You have this safety net of, I could say no because it doesn't really matter. I can just say I'm busy or yeah. something. So um, luckily I've never had to actually use it, but you know, it's definitely more hustling uh, to try and get work in that way. Tell me how the the Tragically Hip album came about. Like, how did you get involved in that? I was working with the producer who was who made that record. So, okay, I was like his right hand man at the studio. And first, it started because he just was booking the studio and he really liked the studio. And then I was working all of his sessions. And as that went, I became part of, like a key part of his workflow. So then I ended up becoming like, you know, one of his main engineers that would come in and work with him. So there was a bunch of projects that he would do and I would just be the engineer he hired for that. So okay. that's how a bunch of records with him came about. Not one, the Tragic Leap was, was yeah. one of those. So as you, were, as you guys were making it, did you know, okay, this is our last one? Uh, Here we go. Inside baseball. I don't know if we're going to get anything from you. <laughs> no, yeah. I didn't okay. know that. Well, the... There were two... I, I worked on two Tragically Hip records. Okay. One of them was not the last one. Okay. And that one, we didn't know wasn't the last... Like, we didn't know where... They were still making music, and it was just another record, yeah, in yeah. a way. Uh, but then after that, I worked on what definitely was the last one, um, which was the final show, the, the mixing okay. of the final show. Ah, okay. So okay, that okay. was known it was going to be the yeah. last... The, mm. You know, the final show, DVD, big release thing. So are you live at the concert doing that, or do you get all the recordings I was, after the I was the after studio. the fact. That okay. was, I was working with uh, Rich Chicky, uh, and we were mixing the 5.1 surround sound version yeah. of the live show after the fact. So, yeah. They have, like, for concerts like that that are that big and televised and, like, all that, they have uh, big, like, big trucks that come in. Yeah. And literally have a studio and a truck that mixes it and records it for broadcast and for recording and like, but they have like SSL consoles in a truck that go to these places. Wow, which is mind blowing how they do it, but it's uh, totally different. It's not somebody sitting at the front of house. <laughs> it's and then you, a big. You thing. take that in studio and then yeah, then we take the together. tracks and put that yeah. into the studio and sit there for a week and make it happen yeah. <laughs> make it sound there's a better. lot of input from the band on how <clears throat> how they wanted it to sound no not a ton yeah no there's little bits but not too much that was a pretty yeah does it sound like us great <laughs> live live shows and live recordings there's less uh kind of th- notes from the band generally okay. in yeah. general not just them but just any live recording because it's live and they have to Either they realize that and there's almost no notes, or they don't realize that and there's a ton of notes that you have to go, yeah, that's how you played it. So <laughs> either do we want to re-record it or this is how it is. You know, ah. it's it's kind of that, but it's 
it's an imperfect recording compared to a record. You can't go back and forth and think it's going to sound the exact same. Sure. So, you know, it's do you get to do much thing. live mixing or do you? Um, yeah, not a ton. No. Do any do any but I any do live do mixing come out of the work you did with the band maybe in the studio? Or yeah, that, sometimes. Yeah. yeah, I don't do a lot of like live sound itself. I yeah. I do I don't like mixing live sound okay. like front of house. I. I really don't like doing that. So I like those are the jobs that I'm like, yeah, no, I, I, here's a here's a connection I have for you. Yeah. Um, I'm a studio studio guy. Studio guy. Why is it you don't like the live stuff? It's a different set of pressures and a different set of stresses and a different set of technical threshold, like a threshold of of quality, not quality, but like you can't tell the band to stop starting dynamics. exactly yeah. and dynamics. A, yeah, different yeah. dynamics. Everybody, there's a lot more people running around, and it's like it's more like when you're miking up a drum kit live. It's like is a mic on the kick drum? Great, there you go. Like to me at least. Um, whereas the studio, it's like okay, give me a minute. I'm gonna like really make this sound exactly really good, right. and people are expecting that. Yeah. Whereas live, it's like can they hear? Can the people hear it? Okay, great. We've got. A pile of people coming in the venue right now. Yeah. Make it make a sound. Just make it have sound. And that I just don't. That's not fun to me. <laughs> Certain guys I know love it, and they just love because they get to go home at night and not worry about it. Their show's done. It's done. Mm-hmm. Whereas I can work on a record for months and go home and get a call three hours later, going, oh, "I need a new print with the vocal up," and I'm like, "I'm in bed." <laughs> but you know, it's yeah. I just like that and like troubleshooting for technical things. I know a studio inside and out, a live sound, I yeah, doesn't sure. I just don't get it as much. You've you've seen the music industry change mm-hmm. massively. We talked a little bit about Billy Eilish and like making like a hit album in your bedroom sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and you've worked in big studios. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me about some of these changes. What are you excited about? What are you not excited about in terms of all these different changes with the technology? I I'm excited about the changes in technology and the the fact that we can record so many different things in so many different places. Um, for instance, when I was working at the studio, I'm big studio, like I'm a fan of big studios with nice mics and lots of room and, you know, set up a whole band live with every option known to man. I love that. But going independent, I actually pared my rig down for myself to be able to travel because I love being able to go places and get inspiration with artists and with, for myself, mm-hmm. in different places and being able to work in different places. Mm-hmm. And for writing and for more, the more creative side, obviously not as much as the engineering, but um, I find that very, very fun to be able to do that. So I love the way that technology is enabling that even more. And like plugins versus gear, the plugins are getting really good. Like software is amazing. Yeah. You don't need a pile of gear anymore, although it's sometimes nice. The thing that I don't like is the fact that so many people can make so much music that sometimes isn't the best anymore. Uh. <laughs> and it's becoming so saturated. And, and like you said, you can you know make a, make a record in your bedroom, which means a lot of people are making records that technically sound good, but musically aren't necessarily anything special at all anymore. And so it's becoming, from the artist's perspective, harder to cut through, which even if they have an amazing, amazing song and an amazing engineered record, 
it still takes a certain amount of money or luck or something to cut through. And that's the part that I'm not as big of a fan of in certain ways. So, you know, pros and cons to it. But I'm a, I'm, I like technology. I'm a technology. Like, yeah, let's go. But, yeah. Yeah, makes it harder on the business side, I think. I just realized, like, Stratford is a small town, but it's got, it's, like, a lot of creative people come out of there, mm-hmm. right? So, Brittle Star yeah. is yep. from Stratford. You know Brittle Star? I, yep. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, because you're a video guy now. Yeah. Um, yep. There's you. The Beebs. Yep. And, sorry, who? Some guy Justin the Bieber. Yes. Okay, so talk, you've, you've had the opportunity to work at, what was it, the first studio he recorded at? Yes. Yes? Yeah. Two of my first mentors, yeah. uh, when I first was in, I was in high school and I started working for them yeah. at a studio just outside of town. And that was the first place he recorded and the, his vocal coach when he was like really young, like his vocal teacher, yeah, um, was the wife of one of my mentors at the time. And so he'd been recording there doing like the Christmas things when he was 10 and whatnot. Sure. Um, so like, he he started recording his recording yeah. career there, and Interesting. those guys knew him really well. So, so I don't know if you're a fan or you're not a fan. It doesn't matter. But sell me on Justin Bieber. Sell you? Yeah. <laughs> like what? Well, he's he's. <laughs> what do you mean sell Great question. you? <laughs> like how is he that good? What are your thoughts on Justin Bieber? I. <laughs> um, I can see your. <laughs> sell you. Sell you. I'm still yeah. like sell you. Uh, <laughs> I definitely think he has talent yeah. for sure. All right. Uh, he he is a very a very good singer, and he has been gifted since he was young. Yeah. Like I've I've seen him grow up from very young. Yeah. And like learning to play the drums and like that kind of stuff. And he was an obviously gifted child. Yeah. Um. And I'm you know that still he can sing and he is ve- he's definitely a very very good singer. Yeah. Um, and so I think he's also kind of, there's a lot of industry around him now. So there's a lot of people that need him to succeed, mm. which is probably why, to be honest, he just had to have a hiatus Yeah, because <laughs> there's a lot of pressure on him now sure. to yeah. do, to, to succeed and to make a pile of to money because there's a lot of people whose yeah. salaries depend on him. Yeah to make something and at the same time there's a lot of people that make stuff for him he doesn't write everything yeah. he make he, he records at all there's like tons of indus- writers and like tons an industry of, around him yeah like, there's a lot of that and yeah. which is in pop is a big thing like yeah. writers and, and yeah. people that basically make the, make it for him and he has to sing it yeah um, definitely but yeah. you know that that being said I think sometimes he does get a little bit too much flack for where people are like, oh, he's completely developed. And it's like, yes, they definitely took a kid who didn't know how to brand himself and branded him and were like, this is what he's going to do. Let's put a pile of money behind him. Yeah. And that made him stick out from everybody else. So, yes, that helped. But he definitely has talent yeah. as well. Um, do people give him too much slack? Like, are we being hard on Justin Bieber? Um, like, I'm just shocked that he, what is it, Morris? Number one singles in Elvis, or what was it? Number more than something, but he's like he's eclipsed Elvis. Yeah, like he's up there with the Beatles as like the most number one albums or singles, singles or some sales, something like something. that of yeah. all time. Like it's just shocking mm-hmm. to me 
but outside of that, so obviously he's millions of fans. Yeah. Talented. Do critics like me give him too much slack? Um, yes and no. Yeah. I think there's certain things. It all depends on what it is that yeah. you're saying. Because I think he definitely he has the talent. Yeah. But there's also a lot of people that make decisions for him. Has he made some not so smart decisions? Yes. Absolutely. But... Then you look at, okay, since he's been 12, he's been under the spotlight yeah. or whatever age you were. Sure. Like, very young. Yeah. So there's some things that it just, it's tough for him to know, too. And with any, that he's in the spotlight, but that's the same with any kid on the street. Same, just less money and pressure. <laughs> Fair enough. So, yeah. So I don't know if you're going to answer the question with Justin Bieber. Yeah. But one of the things we like to ask is, what's what's in your earbuds lately? What do you listen to? What do you? What do I listen to? Yeah. What do you? Not Justin Bieber. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Whereas Cream, you would say. I would say Justin Bieber. Yeah. 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 No, I'm not so much. Um, I. Right now, I've been listening to a lot of Billie Eilish, actually. Yeah. Um, but all the way over to uh, a band called Wage War. And yeah. protest the hero, protest the hero, yeah. and like a lot of more metal stuff. The new Billy Talent stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a lifelong fan of Billy Talent, so yeah. like, they're you know still. Cheers to that. <laughs> yeah, you and Greg could do like your own episode. Yeah, yeah we're gonna do a Billy we'll Talent, do a Billy Billy Talent, Talent yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's um, also uh, Bring Me the Horizon is a mm-hmm. one that they're doing some amazing stuff, both. Musically and technologically and marketing-wise, and I've been a big fan of them since like their early thrash metal days, and up until now where they're deemed as more poppy. Uh, but I still love their songwriting, so hmm. that's where I would probably be. What's what's playing in my head right now? <laughs> what are you working on now? Right this minute. These days. These days. <laughs> lots lots of different stuff. I've been doing more uh, sound for video. Okay. Uh, and a lot of that's YouTube related as well. I'm, I, make, um, I make YouTube videos yeah. as well as I help other people make YouTube videos. And that's a big market that's expanding. Um, so I do a lot of that, which is different than like traditional movie sound. Mm-hmm. So it's fun. I think. Yeah. Um, so I've been doing a lot of that um, and been working on my own podcast, actually, okay. uh, and and YouTube videos, like building a, a brand, trying to share my knowledge of making music the way that I know how to make it, like mm-hmm. engineering. So I've been working on that. And then the odd record here and there, I mean, I'm working on like a metal record right now, Yeah. a rap record and uh i'm in toronto right now finishing up it to like punk records so you know nice all all over the map (laughs) and and if people want to find your podcast or your videos where would they go to uh anything you can search me on any platform it's uh anik creates so a-n-a-k creates and that's my instagram twitter youtube everything cool is under that Alex, man, thanks for coming in. Really yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for it. coming in. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. It was a real pleasure to talk to you guys. Awesome. This is fun.